Wednesday, July the 15th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Britain bans Huawei and America sanctions Hong Kong. First, the world in brief. Britain's government said that Huawei's equipment must be removed from the country's 5G mobile network by 2027 and banned the Chinese company from providing new kit from next year. The National Security Council concluded that American sanctions on Huawei would increase Britain's security risk by making it harder for the firm to find reliable components. The government admitted the U-turn will delay Britain's rollout of 5G by up to three years. Donald Trump signed an executive order ending Hong Kong's privileged trading status with America in response to China's imposition of a crushing national security law. Banks aiding officials who implement the law will face sanctions. The officials may too. Separately, the New York Times will relocate part of its Hong Kong bureau to Seoul out of fear for freedom of the press. The Trump administration dropped its plans to deport foreign students enrolled in online-only courses this autumn, a swift triumph for Harvard University and Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which had sued. The announcement will relieve hundreds of thousands of international students and the many universities that rely on their fees. America carried out its first federal execution in 17 years. It came after the Supreme Court ruled that the use of pentobarbital for lethal injections would not be unconstitutionally cruel. Daniel Lewis Lee, a murderer, was put to death on Tuesday morning. A lower court had blocked his execution on Monday. Two other men are due to die this week. American banks had a mixed start to the second quarter earnings season as loan loss provisions dented earnings. JP Morgan Chase reported net income of $4.7 billion, around half what it made in the same period last year, but more than the $3.3 billion analysis had forecast. Citigroup's net income of $1.3 billion also beat expectations, but was down by 73% year-on-year. Wells Fargo, meanwhile, made a net loss of $2.4 billion, its first since 2008. Moderna, an American biotech firm, reported that an early trial of its experimental COVID-19 vaccine produced a robust antibody response in each of the 45 volunteers who took it. Some experienced side effects. A much larger trial later this month should determine whether regulators can approve it. The company's share price, already dizzying, grew another 16% in after-hours trading. And Delta reported a pre-tax loss of $7 billion in the second quarter, the second largest in the airline's history. Lockdowns and travel restrictions intended to limit the spread of COVID-19 reduced operating revenue by 88% year-on-year. With demands for flights low, the airline also announced plans to shed at least 15,000 of its 91,000 employees through early retirement. And now, here's today's agenda. Joe's right hand. The Veep stakes. Joe Biden had no tougher opponent on the debate stage than Kamala Harris, who raked him over the coals for reminiscing about segregationist senators and for his opposition to busing children in order to integrate schools. Last week, she threw him a fundraiser on the same day that Elizabeth Warren, with whom Mr Biden also sparred, appeared at an event for him. Their enthusiasm for their one-time rival may not be simple partisan duty. A recent Monmouth poll put the two women first and second among Democratic primary voters' vice presidential preferences. Also reportedly on Mr. Biden's vetting list are Val Demings, a congresswoman from Florida, Tammy Duckworth, a senator from Illinois, Stacey Abrams, a former legislator from Georgia, Michelle Luan Grisham, New Mexico's governor, and Susan Rice, Barack Obama's national security advisor. 
Mr Biden, who will be 78 in November and has been coy about whether he will seek a second term if elected, has promised a choice by early August. Bidding up. eBay. The e-commerce pioneer, which reports earnings today, has fallen behind the industry's behemoths. It recently lost the number two spot among American online retailers to Walmart's budding e-commerce outfit. Amazon's revenue dwarfs eBay's by a factor of 30. Intercontinental Exchange, which owns the New York Stock Exchange, expressed an interest in buying the firm before quickly changing its mind in February. But the economic disruption caused by COVID-19 may finally be providing eBay with its moment. In June, it bumped up revenue expectations for the second quarter of the year after sales were boosted by lockdowns that forced people to shop online. The firm has worked hard to entice small businesses affected by stay-at-home orders onto its platform, which may weigh on earnings since it has pledged $100 million in waived selling fees and marketing help. Investors, however, are unconcerned. The share price has more than doubled in value since its nadir in March. System Failure India's IT sector. India's technology industry, which reaped revenues of $177 billion last year, is being shaken by forces at home and abroad. Last week, one giant, Tata Consultancy Services, said that profits for its first quarter ending in June had fallen by 14% year on year. Today, another, Infosys, reports. Analysis think it will fare marginally better. Gartner, a consultancy, expects domestic IT spending to fall by 8% this year because of COVID-19. America and Europe, which account for over two-thirds of India's IT exports, are cutting back too. Some 30,000 people in the industry have lost their jobs during the pandemic, and 60,000 have been furloughed. President Donald Trump's decision to suspend until December H1-B visas, popular with Indian techies hoping to work in America, is another blow. NASCOM, an industry body, is seeking an exemption for Indian tech workers, probably in vain. Without a change of fortune, Indian IT is facing a costly crunch. Identity Politics North Macedonia's Election Macedonians go to the poll today amid soaring cases of COVID-19. The result is impossible to predict. The previous Social Democrat-led government solved a 27-year-old dispute with Greece and changed the country's name, formerly just Macedonia, paving the way for NATO ascension and EU membership talks. But its supporters expected more, especially on tackling judicial corruption. By convention, any party wanting to govern must bring in a partner from the country's ethnic Albanian minority. That will be harder for VMRO, the main nationalist and conservative party, than the Social Democrats, but not impossible. In government, VMRO would be unlikely to reverse the name change, although it opposed it. But if it refought old battles over questions of identity with Greece and Bulgaria, the two would seek to isolate their neighbour. A VMRO-led government would have one friend, however. Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban sees the party as an ally for his brand of illiberal democracy. To the off-ramp. Segway rides away. When unveiled in 2001, Segway's personal transporter was billed as a revolution in mobility, a vehicle for short trips, faster than walking but cheaper and more efficient than driving. Fully electric, the self-balancing scooter lacked brakes and a steering wheel. Riders only had to lean forward or backward to move it. But the American-made machine turned out to be an overhyped flop, and today Segway will stop making it. The PT's price, $4,995 initially, and heft, about £70 or 32 kilograms, made it a difficult sell. More damningly, riders looked dorky. See President George W. Bush's anonymous tumble from one. 
Ninebot, a Chinese firm that bought Segway in 2015, has since rolled out self-balancing unicycles, e-skates and delivery robots under the brand. It also makes most of the cheap e-scooters whizzing down city streets around the world. Last year, the PT accounted for less than 1.5% of revenue. Mall cops and tourists will miss them most. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Anton Chekhov, who died on this day in 1904. Only during hard times do people come to understand how difficult it is to be master of their feelings and thoughts. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.